We're expecting you and love <laughs> won't hurt anymore. Come on, you gotta love Jack Jones. I, I do, and now I love our new intro. <laughs> oh no! No! <laughs> Welcome to episode 38 of On Taking Pictures. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from Fade and Blurred, and we're just going to get right to it because we've got a ton of stuff. On the other end, you know him, you love him, fancy photographer Bill Wadman. Man, you're in a good mood today. <laughs> I'm in a great mood today. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice when we're in good moods and not all cranky about things, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, this is, okay, 2013 is starting out really well. And I'm very excited and I'm, I, I, I'm inspired. I've got projects going that, that, I, that I've been ignoring and, and I'm just very excited. So yeah, I'm in a great mood. Well, you know, I was going to be in a great mood at this time on this day because I was supposed to be shooting our good friend Ann Curry right now. <sighs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But uh, we're going to, you know, we had to reschedule. So That's okay. uh, it's going to happen though. You know, the news happened. She had to go to, I don't know. Bosnia or something, whatever she yeah. goes. She had to go it, somewhere and do something. That, work. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Anne. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently war in some other countries more important yeah. than me. Um, Conflict does not trump art, Anne. Come on. It's true. <laughs> you of all people should know that. You own an M9. Um, yeah, that's going to be good, though. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely. No, it's totally going to be good. And last week, uh, <laughs> I got to take pictures of Josh and Chuck from How Stuff Works. I, it, we didn't talk about that, did we? Because that was after the show. I think it was after the show. It was the day after the show. Yeah. So I hung out with the guys from uh, Stuff You Should Know podcast. Which uh, is great. Right? Oh, they were total sweethearts. Super yeah. nice guys. And uh, they're, they're my BFFs, especially Chuck. Chuck's my BFF. Yeah, good. Uh, and well, I think you got a lot of them. You're like BFFs with Chuck and and with Ann Curry's assistant. Yeah, and Ann Curry. Where do you and, know? Well, you know, yeah. not, a, not a bad circle. Well, because you friend. know, it's like which. <laughs> so of the two of us, who's actually talked to Ann Curry via email? Oh, there it is. Had to come up. <laughs> Had um, to come up. So we got a huge show though today. Huge yes. show. Big show. Uh, where uh, what are we what are we going to talk about? Do we even know we're what gonna we're going to talk, talk about, about? Photography. You know. Yeah. Making pictures, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, you know what? I want to start with this quote, this Orson Welles quote. Can we start there? All right. Give it to me. Uh, Orson Welles quote, the enemy of art is the absence of limitations. I love that. Now, just real quick, whenever someone has given you an assignment where there are no restrictions, whether it's a writing assignment in school, just go write a short story, go write a poem, go write something. There are no restrictions, or it was in a design class or an art class or a photography class. Go take pictures of whatever you want. I bet you pounded your head against the wall trying to figure out what to do, didn't you? True. Uh, yeah, but I always pound my head against the wall even when I have restrictions. But I, but I understand the argument, yes. It, you, you, th- there, was, there, there, was, there needs to be. Something, something to, to get you going, some sort of limitation, restriction, barrier, that kind of thing. There was some movie or documentary or maybe it was a narrative movie where some teacher's talking about some kid and he asked her to write a thing about an article about school or the school that she's in or whatever. And the, and the girl didn't know what to write. And he's like, well, you know, what, what, you know, what's the problem? She's like, I don't know where to start. And he goes, here you go. Start at this upper left brick. 
in the building. Right about that. Nice. And start there. Yeah. Huh. Like just sometimes sometimes you just need a place to 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 get your teeth in. It's sort of like trying to unpeel an orange, you know? You know, at a certain point, even though it's a little messy, you gotta bite into it to get the get to start ripping. Sure, sure. You just gotta um, do it. I think it's a great quote. And the the thing about photography, and it's even true nowadays, but there's always limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's limitations are built into the entire experience. Right. Well, one of my favorite things that you've said, and you say it, you know, you've said it several times, is everything in photography is a trade off. Yeah, it is. And and we sometimes forget that that. Yes, you want you want this better feature here. Well, it's going to cost you this feature or experience on the other end. Yep. Yeah. And every decision you make in the process is limiting other things, you know. Um, oh, you know, you want to get these two things in focus? Well, you need a lot more light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. or uh oh man, you know, you really want to capture that guy uh you know, uh in motion like jumping up in the air? Well, if you want it to be sharp, you're going to need to open up your lens and then you're not going to have as much depth of field. And then your focus is going to have to be better, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Oh, well, uh, sure. You don't need it. You don't have as much light. Well, you could up the ISO, but then you're going to have a lot of noise and less dynamic range and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You can have a camera in your pocket all the time, but the pictures it takes are not going to be nearly as good as the camera you could carry around or, you know, sure, you could use a medium format camera, which gives you exceptional results, but eh, only if you have enough light for it, because if you don't, then you're going to be shooting at ISO 400, which is noisy on one of these cameras, you know. Right. You, you start getting into these, everything, yeah, everything's a trade-off. Um, and it, but 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 those those decisions, I think those decisions are actually good things, right? Um, you, you are still talking about your camera situation and no, no, I'm not. You're, nope. you're done. We're done. Okay. <laughs> and it's but inter- that's the thing is I'm working through the trade-offs, right? Right, right, right. Which, which is, yeah, part of my point, right? Is that, is that you're working through the trade-offs and at a certain point, I think I said this morning, you have to, you have to embrace the trade-off. You have to embrace the limitations and say, this is the way I'm going to shoot because of these things. You know, yes, I can't do that. Well, you know what? I just won't do that. I'll do all the other things I can do. Right. Uh, and and like you said, maybe you, from a creative point of view, need the limitations. I, I think I do. I think I operate better creatively when I have certain parameters that I either have to adhere to or stay away from. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, even you were saying, oh, well, you know, if I get this a Fuji thing with the 35 millimeter lens. Oh, there's not that much of a lens selection. How many lenses do you need? Right. You know? Well, and like we talked, I really do want to do this. This, I love the idea of one camera, one lens for an entire year and see what comes out of it. Rather than saying I've got to do a photo a day or a photo a week. I just want to say, look, I've got one camera, one lens, and, and I want to see how I can, how far I can push and pull those parameters, how far I can push and pull those restrictions. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually thinking this morning that I was, you know, I was spending some time with some Arnold Newman photos. Mm-hmm. And I've never kinda, a bad idea, right? No. no. Uh, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that I need to take different pictures, or rather, that I need I need a new limitation. And I think my new limitation is that I'm going to start shooting with a longer lens. Wow. 
Yeah. Now, doesn't that mean you're going to have you have to buy a longer lens? And don't you isn't the longest thing you've got an 85? Well, 85 is plenty long for what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm not talking about I'm shooting from 400 feet away. I just <laughs> I just mean that I I can't I need to start working on composition uh, tighter composition that okay. isn't a cheesy headshot, you know. And Newman does a, a lot of really good stuff in that kind of work where he's um where he's shooting uh, artists around their work or inside their work, you mm-hmm. know, or he's doing these close-up sort of shots where uh, the the composition is based upon the background, but the background is either geometric or framing in some way, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I, I think that that's some, a, a direction that I have to go into. And I think that it might actually help because there's this this built-in limitation, right? This is this sure. thing we've been talking about. But even but that there's, picture... There's is less that, margin for error, though. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe I need less margin for error. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, the when I went from... That's the other thing. I mean, it, there's another trade-off for you, you know? Yeah, okay, you could have more resolution, you could have more control, but, you know, with that comes the responsibility that your technique's going to be better. Right. You know, it's... It, there. You see less flaws in a cropped camera than you do in uh, a full frame camera because full frame camera has a shorter depth of field. So your focus errors are not as noticeable. You know, when I first got, when I went from a 20 D to a five D, you know, five, six years ago, uh, the, the, the going to the, to the, to the full frame camera, my pictures ended up, it felt more like shooting with a medium format camera than it did a 35 millimeter camera to me, even though it's, you know, the same as a 35 millimeter film because right. I was actually looking at these things at a hundred percent on my screen because the, t- it, it takes a little bit more thought and, and, and quality of technique in order to get the best results. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the, you know, even the, the picture of Stravinsky that Newman took, you know, the famous one with the piano up. Right. I mean, we saw an article a few weeks ago that showed that that's actually a crop of the original negative. Right. So his original shot was not nearly that thoughtful. You know, maybe he was knew he was going to crop like that. But my guess is that in the dark room, he decided to crop like that, which kind of backs off. I don't know. It kind of makes you question like, OK, is this actually genius or is this just. Well, OK, what's 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 wrong with cropping after the fact? There, there's been this argument made that it's 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 not as pure to the art and it's not as uh, you're, you're not really seeing what the photographer saw. Yeah. How How is that? so different it's funny i i've had conversations with big photographers you know famous guys about that who are non-cropping people are sort of the purists Mm -hmm. i i don't take that point of view mostly because sometimes i want to take a four by five shot but i only have a 35 millimeter camera with me which is two by three and i'll i'll shoot it and then crop it to four by five later i'm not a big guy i may crop my pictures Oh, a little bit. Oh, you know, there's, uh, this is weird how this came in from the side. You know, there's a vase over on the right-hand side. Okay, well, let me just crop it 5% to get that vase out of there. But, you know, it's pretty much what it is. I'm not a big guy to say crop down into two-thirds into a picture and say that that's the new picture. Because in some ways that's, I mean, I I guess it's fine. It's just, it's pushing the editing further down the line. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and I guess the, the the argument is that the skill should be in making those decisions while you're shooting. You know, that's somehow means something. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, mm-hmm. but 
I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, so who made that decision? Maybe Newman didn't even make that decision. Maybe his printer did if he had a printer. Sure, you know, sure. That's, that's the kind of thing, you know. I, I just think, I mean, with regard to Newman, then you start questioning, you know, there's the other one. Uh, is it Isaac Stern with the, the violin? That he took? Yeah. Uh, I like me some Isaac Stern. I think it's Isaac Stern, where it's it's this this very tight shot on him just kind of holding the the, the neck and and the bow of his violin, and it's like, well, if that extends beyond the frame, does it lessen the impact or lessen what a great photograph that is? Because he decided, you know what, I did want to go a little tighter. I didn't do it at the time. I, I'm going to crop in a little bit on this. Yeah, does it does it make it less so i don't I, you know what's funny about that hmm. i think it was a crop that particular photo yeah because hmm. uh i just found a uh i just found a similar one here i'll paste it in skype uh which was further away but is essentially the oh same yeah shot. okay so probably the same session yep now maybe yeah. he moved in and shot the other picture differently whatever but yeah it could have been a crop maybe his way of working was knowing that he was going to crop later and that was part of his creative thing and who cares as long as the final result is the final result sure um i i just i just think that there's a certain amount of um i don't know i i don't think that cropping is a bad thing necessarily i just think that i think that cropping should be a Ooh, I didn't get this the way I wanted to in the thing. Oh, I can make it better later. That's one thing, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, oh, it's so close. I just need to crop it a little and that makes it. Um, but I think if you're basically just taking wide angle shots of everything and then cropping in because we have enough resolution nowadays to do that. Right, right. Oh, that's cheating a little. Um, well, in, I, in, in that situation, it becomes similar to the, the sort of spray and pray exactly. discussion we yeah. had last week I mean, where my, you're just capturing everything. My picture of Malcolm Gladwell that is in my portfolio is actually a crop because uh, famously, <laughs> not famously, uh, my, my, I broke my lens on the way in. So all I had was a wide angle lens to shoot with. Oh, that was, it, that was the day that the lens fell out of your bag? Yeah. So, 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 you know, the, the original picture of that picture uh, is a lot, is a bit further away Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have I didn't have the option, you know, of uh, of uh, of shooting tighter. So I shot a little bit further away, and then I cropped it. And so the one that I use in my portfolio, and the one that a lot of people like, is actually a, a crop. Now, is that that big of a deal? No. Do I really? Does it bother me that much that uh, that I have that? No. Um, but but it's just you know. Th- so sometimes it happens, you know. Uh, but. I don't know. I, it, it's it's just an interesting thing. But limitations in general. But like, did I take different pictures because I was working with only that lens? Uh, during the Drabbles, my original Drabble series, I only shot with the 28 and I had to use lights and I had to do this and they had to be landscape orientation. So I had limitations and it's those limitations that sort of make the set feel cohesive. Mm-hmm. More so than, say, the pictures I just took in December. Which have have a certain feel to them, but they're more disparate and a little more experimental and a little more, you know, hodgepodge day to day. Sure. Which which is fine. I'm not but 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 if you're looking to get a set, sometimes a restriction can actually be the thing that, that makes things feel cohesive. Does it feel like there are less technical barriers, restrictions? moving forward because hardware is getting 
so much better that that the, the barriers and uh, that that we that we're dealing with are now more self-imposed. <clears throat> pardon me, or creative barriers. Yeah, that 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 yeah. You don't you don't actually have as many limitations technically, so you have to artificially create them mm-hmm. because we can shoot in you know by a match light if we have to. D- does that become? I th- I think it does. But what do you think? Does it become a skill in and of itself? Is deciding what restrictions to champion in your work. It's almost like you, you have this list. Yes. Uh, to answer your question, but it's, it's almost like you have a, here's the things that I have control over. I have Mm -hmm. control over aperture. I have control over shutter speed. I have control over ISO. I have control over lens selection. I have control over framing. I have control over lighting. And at a certain point you got to go, you know what? I'm going to cross six of these things out and only give myself the option to change three of them. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe, maybe that's what can inspire you to try something different or to come up with something you wouldn't have come up with before. The Orson Welles quote is great. Uh, maybe he's talking about it in the sense that, uh, that, that Citizen Kane was so successful, they let him do whatever he wanted the rest of his career and none of it was as good. <laughs> you know? So maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a self-imposed thing too. You know? A statement on his own work. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I had a, a professor in college who, in, uh, for my design courses that would, whenever we would put up, uh, he, we would do a crit wall for, for every project and crit he, wall? yeah, like a, a, yeah, critique well, wall. Pe- people, people put this stuff up and then people rip on it. Right. We, we, as a, as a group, the class would decide what they like, what they don't like and comment and it, most so often, glad I didn't go to art school. Go ahead. Oh, uh, it was rough, but he would, he would, say, okay, what do you like about this? What what are you most proud of about this layout, this composition, whatever it is? And inevitably, whatever you were most proud of or most happy with, he would say, take that out and do it again. Yep. As a way of uh, eliminating us relying on these crutches that we... we, I was just about to use the word crutch, yeah. Yeah, Uh, because you'll find that... You do the same things over and over again because you're good at those. Yep. And, and you want people to say, wow, what a great X, whatever that is. Right. So he would, he would consciously say, okay, take that out. You know, you use drop shadows all the time. Don't use them. You yep. know, you use Helvetica Bold all the time. Use something else. Can't go wrong with Helvetica Bold. That's what I kept telling him. <laughs> no, but you, you're, you're, you're completely right. And, and it's funny. I mean, yeah, you, you rely on the fact that you have strong upper body. Well, you know what? You have to do everything with your legs, you know? Um, right, right. And that's, that's the way to get a much more well-rounded body, right? But I mean, that works in school and that may work in your own decision-making, but does that work in the capitalist world of photography as a business? Or should I, you ignore photography as a business when... Should our discussions on this show ignore the fact that some things are more commercially smart? I I mean, this gets into part of the discussion I want to have in a minute about the Heisler podcast, but there's, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, and I don't think it can, I don't think you can ignore it when it's, when it's a commercial or a business uh, uh, germane to photography for now, uh, you're going to be hired based on the things that you do that people like. And, and chances are you're going to be hired because 
they've seen that you can reproduce the things that they like in your work over and over and over and over and over. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, and then people don't want to be surprised and all the rest of it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm hiring Bill Wadman because I like what I see. Because I have Bill no Wadman's... idea. Why am I hiring this kid again? <laughs> it was on the top of the stack. Uh, you know, because I've seen 57 examples of what you do that I go, yep, yep, yep. yep. And that's what I'm going to get. Yeah. I, I don't want to hire Bill Wadman and get Joel Grimes, or I don't want to hire Joel Grimes and get, you know, Dan Winters. That's, yeah. that's what you're being hired for. So in that respect, the, the, the things that are most represented in your portfolio or in the, in the work that you show the world as this is my commercial work, that's what's going to get you work. Yeah, right. In fact, Heisler kind of talks about that. He's just like, you know, it's, it's no longer the kind of world where somebody says, oh, I wonder what Greg's going to do with this. It's, oh, we want Greg because he takes that picture, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that they've already laid it out in the magazine of what they want. And they're going to hire the photographer based upon exactly what they want. Not, I want to see what Bill would do with Ann Curry. It's, oh, Bill takes this picture. Let's have him take that picture of Ann Curry. Right. And, and in reality, that, that may be, that's a limitation uh, but that may be a detrimental limitation to to photography, to art, to creativity as a whole, because you're you're pigeonholed coming into it for for what you want or what you're able to produce. You, I, I, no, I agree, and I think that I think that it is a detrimental factor. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's 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 uh, you know, it's funny that people can go into say open up a bunch of pictures in Lightroom and they can apply some sort of preset. That's it's kind of that kind of thing, you know. I'm just going to apply a preset to all these pictures that I take, so they all look the same. Right. Well, you know what? That maybe they're not all supposed to look the same. It, it, you know, it's, I can't. I don't want to go ahead, but it's so germane to what we're talking about. Like in that podcast, Heiser says, you know, I don't. I have yet to find the portrait that I want to take over and over and over again. Right. You know, I haven't. I haven't found that one picture that works so well that I like it so much that that's the picture I want to take of everyone. Sure. You know, and to him, it probably doesn't exist, you know, but uh, probably not, but, 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 and, and, and to him, that limitation, the limitation of, I have to come up with something new for each person. Cause each person is that person in that situation. That in itself is a limitation, but that breeds creativity, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, options are a big thing. I mean, even even camera selection has a has a has a big difference. You know, the other it was funny the other day. Uh I was out with uh, Heather and a friend of hers who was in from in town from from uh from Boston. Mm -hmm. This kid Tom. And I took a picture of them cuz I had a Polaroid back. I think it was actually Fuji 3000 film or whatever it is, you know, the, the instant film mm -hmm. on my Hasselblad. And I took a picture of them and I haven't used it in a while. And it must've at some point gotten a little exposed because the film was a little fogged, the frame I used. So even though I, I, I did everything right, it came out overexposed. Uh, and I took a picture of it and I cleaned it up a little bit in my phone and I uploaded it, whatever. And as I was doing that, I was standing there and I went and I kissed Heather and he took a picture of us with his phone using a hipstamatic thing and then basically turned it into a Polaroid square right. Polaroid. And it came out, it's, it's, it's a cute picture and I'm not disparaging whatever it is, but like, it's so perfect 
that you think, you know what, half the thing about the pictures that came out of these cameras is you didn't know what was coming out of these cameras. Right. You right. know, that that his fake Polaroid was uh, in some ways uh, this strange idealized version of what it is that people shot Polaroid for. Right. Right. You know, these, that, these filters have become the definitive representation. Yeah. When yeah. if you actually had that camera, we're taking that picture, you'd never get that photo that way. Sure. You know, that, 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 that the fake one is almost hyper real in each sense of right. the Polaroids and the whole rest of it. I just, it just kind of cracked me up that I was actually shooting a square thing with a Polaroid back and his looked more like a Polaroid than my real Polaroid did. Yeah. 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 Or more the way that people think of Polaroids than the right. Real what we've come did. to know as a Polaroid. Sure. Yeah. And in the process, I kind of like ripped the tab of the next frame. So I don't even know if I can use the rest of it, uh, which is just kind of sad. See, you know what? You never know what's going to happen with these things. <laughs> they break. What are you laughing at? Uh, it's just funny that I, I don't know. It just hit me that you're using this, this Hasselblad camera. Hey, hold on one second. Sorry, go ahead. I was did using they, the Hasselblad did, camera. Did, did they change their mind? Yeah, <laughs> you should leave know. that in. <laughs> I just funny that you you're like uh, so I took this picture with my Hasselblad, which you know for years and years and years was was the pinnacle of photographic instrument, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I did some editing on my phone or whatever it is and uploaded yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's there's the absurdity of the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where it's going because you know if I want to show it to anybody, I've got a it's got to become digital. You know. It's, yeah, it's just funny. Um. But I mean, like for example, you and this, you and this camera. Do you really want more? You don't want more than one lens, right? You really just want the one lens. Kinda, yeah. Okay. I, I really kind of. I mean, hey, you know, there have been a number of photographers. I mean, we keep going back to Cartier-Bresson, but he is sort of the poster child for one camera, one lens for years, for decades. Mm-hmm. And you know, did okay. Every for once himself. in a while, he used a thirty-five and a ninety, but you know. Very rarely. Yeah. I mean, by and 50. large, it, it was the, the, the barrier was what can I do with this piece of kit? Right. How do I how do I achieve what I've got in my mind's eye using this piece of kit as the vehicle? Zoom and with your that, feet. Yeah. That that to me is is right or wrong part of the romance of photography. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's <sighs> Maybe the the commercialization and the the uh, homogenization, well, homogenization, the the overexposure, <laughs> wink, huh, wink, wink. There, yeah, no pun. Uh, yeah, of <laughs> photography in the modern digital world has actually, in some ways, it's 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 expanded macro creativity, but I feel like it's limited micro creativity. Well, yeah. I mean, on some level, there, there is. There, such there are a- more people with more crazy styles, but the people in their styles are doing less within them. Right. Right. Uh, at at the behest of this this sort of ridiculous proliferation of hardware choices. Yeah, hardware choices and 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 the market, right? You know that 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 people want. You know, they 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 want the Martin Schuller or the Platon or whatever it is, and they want to to know that it looks exactly like that every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, 
that, yeah, there are people doing all kinds of different things, but if you want to be recognized as a, uh, uh, an artist, if 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 you want to be recognized, and not say recognizes in like you want platitudes, but if you want to be recognized as in you want people to to remember who you are, mm-hmm. that 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 you need to limit yourself, right, in some crazy way. Well, I mean, even look at I, I was I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Look at Annie Leibovitz. If she's not doing group photos, if she's yep. doing by and large individuals or duos, let's say, mm-hmm. she's got. One light. Yeah, a lot and of it's, times it's and one it's, light. It's one light shooting through like a, like a 48-inch soft lighter. Yep, one light. And, and that's it. Yep. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's, it's in, really nice light, but it's one it, light. It's, yeah, it's beautiful light. Well, but, she also has really incredible retouchers. And I think well, that that's, that's a lot of what that Annie Leibovitz look is is really good post. But anyway, go ahead. Finish what you're doing. Well, I'm, I'm just saying you know, that she and and – many photographers like her have adopted their own set of limitations and say, I'm going to work within this gear choice, this lighting choice, and I'm going to see what I can do within this. Uh, and, and to your point about Platon, Platon shoots pretty much the same photograph every single time. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's, it's, it's become what he's known for. Yep. But at some point, but it's not so, new. Greenfield Sanders was taking the same picture over and over again in the eighties and nineties. Sure. So it's not sure, like sure, it's sure. a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, that's not a fixture of the modern world. Although I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. Right. Uh, I guess my point is at, at some point the restrictions and barriers can help you because they can, they can, uh, guide you into a direction or shoehorn you, uh, as the case may be. Uh, but they can also become a barrier. They they can also limit because you get so used to the recognition or the accolades or just the process of doing yeah. X that you don't want to break free. You don't feel oh, like yeah. you can break I, free from I it. I always want to ask these guys, like, do you shoot this because you really want to or do you shoot it because that's what people expect of you? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, but at the same time, most of the time I don't feel close enough to them to be able to say that. Right, because that's because that could be a, that could come off as very um, rude. Sure, it's, I mean it's, it's snarky. Yeah, you don't want to say that. But you know, you look at somebody like Jay Mazel. Jay Mazel's pictures do not look alike. No, he's all over the place. Yeah, he's totally all over the place. Now he doesn't take anything like the kind of stuff that say I take or whatever it is, which is you know obviously fine, mm-hmm. but he doesn't actually have a distinct style because he's all over the place doing all kinds of things. But you know, you don't look at one of his pictures and say, oh, that looks just like that other picture right. of Jay Maz- that Jay Maisel took. You know, they all just sort of, they're all different kinds of stuff, which is kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know, that he's talking about, he's doing something different. But again, well, he think, was in a different world at a different time. Sure. But I think that people, people like Jay, and I, I don't know him, um, you know, you do, but it seems like he's still very much in love with the process of photography. He's still very much in love with the connection to a subject that he gets and what life looks like through the lens of his camera. Yes, it's true. Uh, And there's something inspiring about that to me. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I think it's true of the younger people too. I just think that people get jaded, you know? Sure. Uh, Yeah. Jay is a good example because his, uh, his work 
I think he really does love doing what he's doing, you know. Uh, but I mean, but then there are people like, for example, but at the same time, I don't know that if I saw a picture, I'd automatically say, oh, that's a Jay Maisel picture. You know? But do you have to? Well, okay. A lot of times I will look at you. You mm, HCB is a bad example just because he's so classic. But like, you know, you look at Cartier Besson pictures and at least the 50 or 100 pictures that everyone knows of him all sort of feel like his pictures. Now, is that because we've seen him 100,000 times or is it because he actually did build a style organically? I, I I would think it's a combination of both. Yeah, maybe. I, I think be, because he kind of laid the groundwork for so many people that have come after him, there's this idea of blueprint. There's this idea of, of, of legacy where everything sort of points back to him. Everything points back to that moment when he started shooting. And, Paul and, Rose lead to the little rich French boy? <laughs> I don't know this reference. No, he's he's a he was a rich kid. <laughs> he had one of the first Leicas. Okay, handmade for him. Yeah, his his family owns some big like factory system or something like that. So so he never worked a day in his life. Interesting. A lot of these guys, you know, are there because they can afford to. You can afford to be an artist because you don't actually have to work. You know. Well, you have to work at, at the art, but that's another. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. But but you know, hey, we'd all love to work at the art. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the fun part. Uh, you know, it just I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, finish your thought. I didn't mean to. Interrupt. I, I now I, I completely lost my train of thought with a little French boy. Sorry. <laughs> I thought that was some other reference. I was like, I don't I don't know this. What like a movie reference or something? No, 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 no. Hey, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we why don't we uh, talk a little bit about Squarespace and then we'll get into the other side of this stuff, which is we'll get into that podcast, which has tons of good stuff to talk about. Yep. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you want to say about Squarespace? Uh, I have started out the year building a new Squarespace site. And how's it going? It's fantastic. Uh, it took me longer to uh, edit and export the images than it did to customize the template to my liking. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I love it. Yeah, but you're not very fast at doing that stuff anyway. <laughs> it's really, it's true. I'm not. <laughs> Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. Uh, you've heard us talk about them before, of course. Uh, these guys are the way to go if you need to build a new website. Uh, if you want to try redesigning your current website, uh, this is the place to go. They've got these beautiful templates. Uh, they're they're all new for, for the new Squarespace that came out last year. Uh, lots of white space, very open, very waiting for your art to go into it, uh, which Jeffrey, you found, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, the thing that I like about them is the, the work is what takes center stage. Yep. Everything kind of functions the way you think it should. And if it doesn't, you can change it, uh, more often than not by dragging and dropping. I mean, yeah. I, I, I wrote zero lines of code. I spent zero time in a CSS editor or, you know, Coda or Espresso or something. I, it, everything was done in their style mode, mm-hmm. um, font selection, color selection. You can even uh, drag around to change the layout. They have all those good uh, Google fonts in their system too. Yep. So they have all the Google web fonts built in. 
Oh, uh, yeah, you can drag and drop, like, uh, stuff around the screen in a lot of the pages. Yeah, you want to change spacing yeah. and padding between your thumbnails, and drag it out. Drag you know? in images into your site, that kind of yes. thing, straight from your desktop. Yes. Uh, they're all responsive designs, so they work all the way down to your cell phone, uh, which is fantastic. Because uh, it makes a whole bunch of different versions of each image uh, mm-hmm. when you upload it, so that it knows which one to give you when when they're gonna when uh, it comes to serve it up. Yep. And uh, the social media stuff is great. So you can you can import your existing blogs, WordPress, and and all that rest of it, and Tumblr, and then you can push out your stuff to your social networks too. I also love the fact that you can you can put up uh, social media widgets in there pretty easily too, right? Like you put like a little Twitter, yes, thing uh, sidebar. It's- yeah, I mean, you're not looking for plugins. You're not looking for plugins that work with whatever version of whatever platform you have to be, yep. you know, happen to be using. Yeah, uh, it, everything is done with with the dialog box in the back end. Yep. Uh, you enter in your Twitter name, for example. Enter in your Facebook name, for example, and the little icons pop up. You've got control over size, color. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I like it. What so, can I tell if, you? if if you're going to build another website. It's going to be on Squarespace? Uh, until I see something better, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I made a little video even to, uh, to highlight some of the features that I really like about it. Yeah. So we, we can put that in the show it's notes. It's the best thing going. Uh, so you can go try them out. Two weeks for free. Don't need a credit card or anything like that. Go create a site. Mess around with it. If you like it, import all your content into it. Uh, mess around. And if you like it and you're going to buy, uh, use the code. <laughs> Take better pictures. There it is. There it is. Uh, so uh, take better pictures. will get you 10% off when you buy uh, one of their annual plans, which is like $8 a month or $16 a month, depending on which one you want. Correct. And uh, the 16 Correct. just gives you both unlimited bandwidth, unlimited name. stuff. Yeah. Both come with a domain name, free domain name, 24-hour support for this stuff. So if you have any problems, you can talk to somebody and, and get the answer f- fast. Uh, they're very, mm-hmm. very good. Uh, so go check them out. You go to squarespace.com slash OTP. And use the code take better pictures at checkout and you'll get 10% off uh, from Squarespace. Anything else? Oh, that portfolio app. We should just mention that. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, uh, yeah, if you've got an iPad, you're going to love this thing. Yeah, so it pulls it pulls all the pictures from your website, sticks them on your iPad. Uh, and I think it works on your iPhone too. I have to try it. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and it's offline. So it basically keeps your phone portfolio in sync with your website. So you make changes to your website. It updates it on your phone or your iPad. So you always have images with you when you're on the go. Right. It's great stuff. And especially if you're, if you're cheap like me and, and don't have the 3g version yeah, and you're not going to have internet access. Yeah. I'm cheap. So. <laughs> but uh, Squarespace, go check them out. Yep. Uh, what's else? What's else? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I found this thing yesterday. Yeah. We, we were talking about, Greg Heisler. And I don't, yeah. I don't even know how we got to, to talking about him. I don't Yesterday remember how the conversation. Just, well, over the last couple of days that led you to this podcast, we were talking about something. Oh, you know what we were talking about? We were talking about the, uh, the new Karsh book that I got. Oh, okay. And which somehow I got to Greg Heisler. And somehow, yeah, we were, that, that led to portraits. And I think and I was looking led. at the, I was looking at that video you sent of him talking about the. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we'll put the video Phelps. in. The, yeah, it was this picture of Phelps for the cover of Time. Right. Um, which came out pretty great. And yeah. uh, we were trying to figure out, uh, I was looking up some more videos of his, and I came upon this podcast that he did 
with a guy from Adobe for their Lightroom podcast that they used to do, which they no longer do, but you can still go download uh, this episode. Mm -hmm. And we'll put a link in the show notes. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, and it is well worth it, uh, especially the last half hour or so, which is, you know, kind of a must listen. I just, we're listening, I was listening to the last half hour, and all I could think was, this guy's doing our show two years ago or three years ago. Uh, and it's a guy who actually knows what he's talking about saying all these things. Uh, so you should definitely go check it out. Um, but here's the thing. A number of things came up in it. I'm going to go through them and we can discuss. Is, that, pa- sure. is that fair? Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. Number one, one of the things he comes up with is that print is king. So his big thing is like make a print because, you know, eventually you're not going to be able to read these files and then the print will exist. Mm -hmm. And even though you can make a thousand of these prints, how many people do make a thousand of them? You know, most of the time people are making one or two or three and they still have value because even though they're easy to make, people don't make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So they still have value. The one thing I will say about that, though, is that he was saying this in 2008 or whenever he was doing this interview. And I think that he was basically saying, you know, technology is not universal. And it's kind of getting to the point where it is, mm-hmm. you know, where he was like, Oh, you know, you want to take a print to a third world nation. So people could see your pictures who aren't on the internet. It's like, well, you know what? The people in the third world nations now have smartphones and cell right. phones. Right. They could look By these things up strangely enough. Right. Crazy enough. Uh, I mean, obviously it's not completely there yet, but it's getting there. You know, these mm-hmm. people are hop jump, jumping over a whole bunch of other stuff, which I thought was interesting. Um, but but the main thing about what he was saying is about personal vision and that style and personal vision of an artist. You can't, you can't do it on purpose is basically his argument. So, okay. Let me me make sure I get that. So style has to evolve. Yes. Naturally. Okay. uh, Organically. And that, that you you can only personal vision only comes in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Is what he says, right? So as as a result of a body of work. Yeah, that you do a whole bunch of work and then you look back and go, oh, I see how this all holds together. Okay. So so sort of prevising a through line for your work doesn't doesn't work in his case, for, yeah. in his opinion. Yeah, okay. he says, this is a great quote. He said, uh, you know, uh, that shtick is not a style or a vision and that you're, you're, you're going, basically his, his argument is that if if you think that you're creating a style, you're probably just creating a technique, and a technique mm-hmm. is not a style. Okay, you know, interesting. Which is yeah, which is really really true. And he says, you know, there's all these photographers who take all these pictures, and it's the same picture over and over and over again. And he kind of he rips on Platon. He says, uh, you know, if you want to take uh, wide angle black and white portraits from the floor, like you can do that and make a good living. And he goes, there's a guy out there who does. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it was it was it was pretty harsh. It was pretty good. Uh but that that's that's not that's not the right way of going about it in his opinion, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said he's a good quote. He said, "I don't need to piss all over my picture. I shot the damn thing." Basically, nice. I don't need to make you know that it's mine by right. making it so blatantly obvious. Right. I don't need to mark my territory. Exactly. I yeah. I took the picture. I made it. I don't need to it doesn't need anything more. Do you think too much emphasis is placed on style and, and coming up with a defining style? Like there, there's so much, 
there's so much competition and there's so much pressure in, in, in many ways to stand out and to yeah. make your work stand out that you, it seems like there are photographers who and artists for that matter uh, who approach it from the standpoint of what can I do that's different rather than what can I do that's good? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's I think that's kind of where he's coming from. And he's also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's exactly where he's coming from. Uh, and there's also this whole 15 minutes sort of argument that's going on right now. You know, not right now, but like is becoming more the norm, right? Is that I'm going to get noticed. I'm going to get my break where my stuff's on Huffington Post. And if I don't make the most of it by taking pictures of, you know, the guy taking pictures of the dogs jumping into the pool. Right. If if he goes off and does a whole bunch of other stuff and I haven't followed him, which is saying something right there, right? That I saw that stuff and then I haven't seen anything else from him. If he goes off and does other stuff, more power to him. If he keeps making things like that, because that's what made him... You know, oh, I'm going to okay, have cats jumping into pools. Right, that's right. going to be my shtick. You know, that that's that's no good. You know that 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 it if it's it's another type of crutch, mm-hmm. right? That I have this look, and this is what people want from me. Right, I got noticed for this, so right. this is what I'm supposed yeah. to do. And then okay. I I need to come up with this thing, or else I'll never get noticed. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that is the way the world is. I don't know. I, I, I have seen – and I think I talked about this a little bit on the last show. I have seen so much amazing, humbling work done by complete unknown people living in you know, Croatia or you know, Brazil or wherever. I've seen so much amazing work in the last year or so that will likely never, ever get noticed. Bodies of work or single images? Uh, both, okay. to be honest. Okay. Collections of work, I, I, you know, what defines a body of work? Are we talking, you know, a thousand images, a hundred images? Um, but collections of work, multiple okay. images where, where I see things and I go, wow, that's, I, I wish I could see that way. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think, do you think that these people are choosing, to, I guess the question is intent. Are they shooting 20 pictures that fit into a body of work because they're trying to make 20 pictures that are a body of work? Or do you think that they're just making 20 pictures and they fit into a body of work? Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, it it does make sense. I don't know. I I can't, I can't speak to it. Um, And I think that's part of what Greg is getting at. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're trying to do that, it's, it's a, it's a short term thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you get yourself stuck like we were talking earlier. Sure. Or possibly stuck. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, and he was, he, he brought up Annie Leibovitz and he was saying, you know, there was this point in the eighties and nineties, especially in early two thousands where portrait photography became all about what can you get them to do? You know, the subject. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you get Will Ferrell to do? Oh, I got him to pick up the kid and carry him down the street. Weren't we talking about that picture? Uh, I, I don't know if we were talking about it, but I know which one you're talking, you're, you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, oh, I got this guy to lay down on, on a car in the water and that was cool because of this, you know? Yeah. I got Whoopi Goldberg to sit in a bathtub full of milk. Exactly. Right. So that it became, every picture had to have a hook, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and that, and, and, you know, that's fine. He's basically, he was saying that's fine as, as a thing, but first of all, that's not really a portrait, you know, because 
it's 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 just the it's just the hook, right? You could have anybody doing it. And okay, yeah, it's a clever thing that you had Alfred Hitchcock holding the dead goose or whatever it is, the rubber chicken. Sure, sure. Um, to go the uh to go the Albert Watson way, but like, I mean, obviously that stuff's been around for a long time. But he was saying that you know it took a left turn, and that was the only thing you could do for a while. Like that's mm-hmm. what people wanted. It it became a a, a a situation of one-upsmanship. Exactly, yeah, and that 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 the the wide-angle portraits from the floor and the big heads, as he calls them, and I, all I can think of is the Martin Schuller pictures of of you know with the strip lights. Mm-hmm. That that those things are a response, a minimalist response to this need for. Uh, for the shtick, right? It's sort of right. like the opposite direction, but in some ways it itself is a shtick. So now you're just taking a single shtick and applying it to everybody. So as if that sort of evens things out, you know? Well, but I think, you if, know, if, if everyone's special, then no one is. Yeah. Uh, and that's on some level, everything is a response to something else. Yes. True. True. Right. Out, out of, out of this ism came that ism. Right. Uh, uh, right. True. And, it's 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 uh, now at least very few by and large at least very few of the people that are getting noticed let's say that because there are probably a number of people doing it but very few people who are getting really noticed and really recognized are are simplifying and paring it down and producing honest work and i don't mean that that's going to come off really weird uh, and 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 judgmental and i don't mean it to I, I, to my eye, I tend to prefer simple, clean, honest portraits. Right. That, that there's not a lot of production. There's not a lot of, of sort of ephemera going on in the pictures. Um, not to, to, to belittle that because I think they're the, the people that do it and that do it well, that is an art form. It is, it is. Uh, a level of technical skill that that I don't and probably won't ever have, but the pictures that really affect me, the pictures that I really connect to, um, are the ones that are simple. Are the ones like Karsh, like you know, uh, as if Karsh is simple. Well, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think that there's some things that there's there's, or at least if it's not simple, it's the illusion of simplicity with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure that that Karsh lighting his photographs the way he he did uh, was hour long ordeal. Yeah, insanely difficult, but it comes off looking effortless, and I don't find myself looking at his photographs and going, "Wow, that's great lighting," or "Wow, I wonder what it took to get that." I just find myself connecting to the photograph. Okay, I think that that is a, a matter of the quality of the lighting you know okay it's it's i think that goes to our old adage of if you're noticing the special effects then they're bad special effects absolutely absolutely uh yeah so it's it's even in the the pictures that you were showing me uh who's the the woman you you put the thing up yesterday Um, oh uh yeah uh ruth louise ruth harriet louise okay so she was taking old hollywood portraits back in the 20s and 30s right 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 she was working for mgm right and 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 they're fine and then you likened them to the george harrell pictures who i love right but it's 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 interesting to me that i look at these pictures and i say 
yeah, they're fine, but they're not as as polished as the George Harrell. And the reason why the Harrell pictures are as good as they are is because of the the amount of oh God, man, I can't get, I can never find the right word for this. It's a, it's an elegance. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a um, refinement. Sure. Refinement's a good word. Uh, they're refined. You know, it's the same technique except it's done better. Um, but but in keeping with what we're talking about, I think that part of why you find Karsh, you feel that they're simple is because. The tech, the hard stuff is done so well that he makes it look simple. It's yeah. like it's like watching Tiger Woods swing a golf club. Sure, yeah, sure. It's yeah. just it's so fluid that it is art because it's so beautiful, and yet it took you know years for him to develop a single motion that takes a half a second to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to explain it. Yep. Um, anyway, so one of the other thing that he said he man he's so many good quotes in this podcast he said he went and talked to John Longard mm-hmm. who we chose as our photographer of the week a while back right 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 um who has gone and and photographed all these different photographers and all these different people and uh, if, uh, just can we back up one sec sure if if you don't know his, his he did a great series of of artists holding pieces of their work yeah yeah. Which is probably what he's most recently well known for. Yeah, it's I would a, say. a new, it's a recent, fairly recent book. Yeah, where he went, you know, he shot Carter Bresson, and then he shot a one of you know the 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 guy jumping over the hoop in the puddle. He shot the negative of that, you know, on a light table, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're really cool. Uh, but he's taken a lot of great portraits of a lot of great people. He used to be the uh, photo editor of Life magazine. Anyway. So he somebody told uh, him to go talk to Heisler to go talk to Longard, and he showed him some of his pictures. And he was thinking about going out on his own. He'd been assisting for a while. And Heisler had been assisting. Yeah, yeah. And he was asking Longard about his work, and Longard said, "You know, these are good. You know, if you continue doing these, I'm sure you could make a a career out of it. You know, you could make a healthy career. You could have a have a life." Uh. And he said, you know, but if you want my real advice, shoot what you can't help but shoot. Yeah, that's great. Because if you create a portfolio of what you can't help but shoot, then the pictures are going to be better because they're the things that you really care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this sense that, you know, that then you'll be known for what you care about doing and then your whole life will be happier because you're doing what you want to be doing as opposed mm-hmm. to what other people want you to do. And Heisler said it was the best advice he's ever gotten. You know? Yeah. And that each each portrait he takes, he doesn't like doing the same thing all the time. He likes having each instant, each, you know, occasion be a completely different thing for him. And that... And this is one quote that I really love. If I can build a perfect little stage for them to perform and no one gives a shit about me, it's perfect. That's perfect. I'm there anyway. That stage wouldn't exist if it weren't for me. Yeah. So you, well, don't, and- you don't need to notice me because I took the photograph. You know, I, I am there because I created this situation and shot this photograph. I, I was so good that I became transparent. That goes back mm-hmm. to the whole lighting thing. Sure. You know, he's his his technique and his way with people is so refined that he disappears and it's just the subject. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least that's his goal. Mm-hmm. Uh 
it's 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 it, it was anyway. You got to go listen to this podcast and watch the little little behind the scenes video where he's talking about how he shot that uh, picture of Phelps by the pool is good. But the the second half of this podcast is great. Uh, yeah. One of the it's, things it's, though that this was from 2008, mm-hmm. and there's a certain level of. Um, He's talking about new photographers and, you know, how back in the day there were only X amount of photographers and now there's X times 100 because all the photo schools are pushing out people. And, you know, it's a little bit of like back in my day. Right. The whole thing. Uh, and it, it, it there's we often talk about how the there's a lot of bad pictures. Right. So everyone's got a camera which means there's a lot of people taking really bad pictures, right? Sure. Because there's people who back in the day would not have uh, taken pictures because it's too expensive or too whatever, who now you can get a camera who are taking pictures who maybe shouldn't be because they're not that good at it, you know, whatever, whatever you right? And basically my argument is that, yes, there are more bad pictures, but there's also a higher the good pictures are even better than the quality of good pictures back in the day the the quality of your average photographer i think has gone up in the past 10 years okay with attributed to what do you think being able to see your work uh okay. having more visibility towards other people's work and analyzing it i think there's more people doing what we're doing here which is like talking about other people's work and and trying to figure out how they did i mean you look at pictures he mentions in the podcast a few different like retouchers and different people that he's worked with and other photographers. And I went and looked them up and I was like, you know what? It's impressive that that guy got that picture back in the eighties on film because it must've been a real pain in the neck, you know, mm-hmm. to like meter it all out, all the different lights and all the rest of it. Cause they were using strobes, but it, whatever. Right. Right. But if you took that picture today, it looks a little amateur niche in the refinement of the light. That that the people who are good at it now are better, not not necessarily more um, inventive, but better at it in the sense that my grandfather used to play violin. He played jazz violin, mm-hmm. and he was very serious about it, you know, and 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 that's what he did his whole life. And and he he back in World War Two he was you know the band leader for for uh, Mickey Rooney's band that went around and in, in the backs of jeeps to frontline things in, in sure, Europe. Sure. Did, I mean, he kind was, of the, the USO yeah. shows type thing, right? But the frontline ones they were called jeep mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. And this is I mean he, so he was like a serious guy, and he would admit that the 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 players now like the jazzers now were much better players than they ever were. You know, the guy who's playing trumpet in his band in 1945 wasn't nearly as good as the kid coming out of Berkeley now. Sure. But that it wasn't all about technique, you know, that I think in some ways the people who get it now, their technique is flawless in a way that it wasn't necessarily back in the day. At at the expense of of heart and and intent. Or do you think that's come along with the ride? Do you think that's do you think heart and intent and passion have have increased as I think that they are independent. Okay. Uh, Rather than increasing proportionately to Yeah, the I, I I think that I think that new tools and new techniques and new learning things and, 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 and an overall refinement of 
what photographers have been doing for the past 50 years has led to us being at the pinnacle of this sort of elegance of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that it doesn't always lead to better art. But, okay. but I think that some of the old timers, as it were, uh, often, and, and we often do this too, disparage a lot of this new stuff. It's really well done. It's just, is it actually doing anything new, you know, mm-hmm. or is it just a really perfect version of the thing that the guy was doing 40 years ago, you know? Right. Um, and I just, I just, I guess what I'm saying is that I think the contrast of, of photographers has gotten wider, the dynamic range that the people, there's a lot more crappy photographers out there. There's always been crappy photographers. Uh, but the people who are really good are at a level that even the people that we look back on and go, wow, you know, Arnold Newman was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there are people out there now who are much better, can create much better light than Arnold Newman did, you know? And I think sure. it's just because we have the tools and, and have had the time to refine the techniques, you know? Well, it's, it's also, look, it's a lot easier now to compare your work to everybody on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when in high school, for example, in, in my photo class, you know, if you wanted to see other people's work, you had to go to the library or go to, uh, a, what they, it was this big building that had books for sale in it. They, they used to call them bookstores and you could go to these places and buy books, but yeah. you had to, you had to get on your bike and go there. Right. You had to, you had to go spend money to look through these things and rather than just jumping on the internet and looking at, at a million different photographers. True. Wow. Nothing for my bookstore reference. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> wow. Wait, what's a bookstore? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, no, you, but you mean like was, Amazon. Yeah, like Amazon. Um, you know, and I mean, I remember that those were Christmas presents. I would ask for the Ansel Adams, you know, zone system book, or I would ask for, you know, w- whatever it was. So that's why you didn't get laid until you're 30. Oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, that was the kind of stuff that, that you had to, to go through to see other people's work. It was much more difficult. Yeah. Um, and do you think, and I think that there was more hero worship. Sure. That, the, sure. That, that the guys, I mean, you brought up Winogrand, right? Is that who you were saying earlier? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I've just recently been turned on to the work of Gary Winogrand and uh, it, it, my head's going to explode from yeah. this guy. He was amazing. Yeah. And we're, you know, and we'll talk about, we'll have him as photog of the week one day, but like that there were those guys, there was, you know, the, the Newman, the Winogrand, the Carter Besson, the Avedon, the, you know, the Meyerowitz who were the photographers of their eras who are the ones that we still remember. Yeah. What's going to happen 10 years from now? Are people going to look back at the photography of the, of the aughts or the teens and is there going to be the three or four guys who are the people or is it going to be much more a bigger tent than that? Right. Just because or, things have actually changed. Will will they still be going to the people that you mentioned or the Avedons or, or you know, or will it be, wow, that Joey L, you know, he was inspiring. They, or, won't, or who, they won't be saying that. Oh, come on. I like Joey. <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the 
and this, I mean, this actually gets me down to uh, 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 an observation I've made. I think you and I are old curmudgeons. <laughs> Why do we ever come here? <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that we are classicists. I think that you and I like the old. I, look, I, my favorite painter of all time is Caravaggio. <laughs> you know, I, I am not. Uh, yeah, okay. My I'm not a Rauschenberg. Mm. Well, the, Rauschenberg is, is my favorite modern painter. If I go favorite painter of all time, uh, Francois Boucher, 1703-1770. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. This is, you've proved my point. No. Wait. <laughs> All right, maybe. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That that you and I tend to like now. Do we like them because the aesthetic or do we like it because it's had time to gather a patina? Uh okay. Well, speaking for Boucher, for example, um, it's the level of draftsmanship, the way he handled the figure, the way he was able to, uh, create lines and it's just the size. I mean, the first time I saw his work at the Met, these are immense canvases. Sure. And that's a lot of paint to put down on a canvas. Yeah. Um, well, that's why when you look at who's, who's the guy who does all the Delacroix? Uh-huh. Aren't those those giant like war paintings and yeah, stuff in the Louvre? Yeah, they're enormous. Yeah, they're 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 30 feet across. Yeah. How, you know, I mean, I, you'd have is, to have a team of people helping you, right? Or just years to work on it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, th- th- so it's again, it comes down to process for me. Almost everything that I admire, everything that I uh hold up in esteem can be rooted in the process that it took to get it there. Yeah, and I mean we've had that argument with we've had that argument with some of our listeners. You know, some people have written in because we've mentioned that before, and some people have written in and said, "Screw the process; it's about the final right. It's about the end product." Yeah, but you couldn't have gotten to the end product without going through the process. I, I think that I think that the process is. I think that art, or at least the way we see art, is largely about the experience of being human. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think that the process is the human part of art. The process is Ooh, the humanity. A, that's a, that's, that's a good one. Process. Okay. Process is humanity. Process as humanity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pro- yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, if it, to- all it is, is a thought and a, and, and the result, then a computer will do that eventually. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. will, in within our lifetimes, there will be computers who will make all the things that we do. It's that experience of the process that makes it interesting to us as humans. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Hmm. Okay, no? This is, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I think this could, this could go into a whole other show. I really do. Because I, <laughs> I, I, could, I could get lost on this one. Really? All right. Well, give yeah, us a little. Yeah, yeah. we got a couple yeah. minutes. Well, okay. Look, um, let, we'll keep it, keep it to photography. Okay. And, and without me turning into the guy with the hose and get off my lawn. Um, do you have a the, lawn? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, the, the, the process of, of shooting, processing, uh, printing film 
Um, that's that's one thing that I've talked about that I that I really like, and it's 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 something that that keeps me, despite the fact that I haven't done it in years, it keeps me interested and and passionate and and amazed by photography. Okay. Uh, one of the other experiments that I've wanted to try in addition to this sort of one camera, one lens is not using a preview of any sort, not chimping at all. And what I get, I get, you know, yeah. there, there was a part it's of, funny, I don't even look at the meter in my viewfinder anymore. Well, you, yeah, but you're, you're, I mean, you, you've got no. a lot more practice in a lot. No, you know, no, no, not because I take a perfect exposure every time, just that I will take a picture and then look at my camera. I'll look at okay. the screen and, and, and see it after the fact. Uh, I, I like the idea of, you know, one of the things that was great about, about not knowing what you got is just that you didn't know what you got. And there's such a pressure now to get that perfect exposure, get that perfect composition that I think to a certain extent, we've eliminated the happy accident from photography. We've, we've eliminated, um, the ability to let things blur for effect. We've eliminated the, the ability to uh, accept overexposure, underexposure, et cetera. And there's a, there's a part of me that really, that really likes that and really likes going through how that affects your work, how, how, it, how you can let it affect your work and learn from it. Okay. Um, and, and maybe I'm just babbling. I don't no, no, know. No, no, keep going. Um, but there, there's something that I feel like, I think it's why I keep going back to painting and, and in the way that I paint and, and which is, um, a lot of layers, a lot of, uh, combining of media in ways that I'm really still not sure how it's going to turn out. And I'm always surprised when I finish something because it, it never turns out the way I thought it was. Does, does, does it anger you to think that things are too easy? I mean, it, at the risk of sounding like like a process snob, yeah, kinda. Okay. I, I think that that in in working for it, whatever it is, okay, whether you're a writer or a factory worker or a car salesman or or a photographer or an artist, something. If you have to work for it, and 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 there is not necessarily struggle, but growth, right? It it becomes more valuable. And I'm not, I'm not saying that artists have to struggle. That is not what I'm saying at all. One of the, one of, one of my favorite painters. Or not mentally struggle in the sense that they have to be depressed. But I think right. that, I think that, that, it, that, that a little bit of a, a tug of war with the muse is a perfectly rational thing to want. Absolutely. Not at the expense expense of your of your mental well-being i don't think that that you need to dress in black and be the tormented artist and live in a warehouse i, that, I don't i don't subscribe to that at all um I've i been used looking to for a warehouse <laughs> and a new black wardrobe yeah. uh but i do think that it should be that's a great way to put it a tug of war uh, a, a gentle tug of war with with your own creativity with your own vision um because i think with that comes an appreciation for when you do nail it there comes an, an appreciation for when something does come out that you go, I want to show this to everyone I know and go, <laughs> look what I did. Yeah. Look what I did. I don't know how I did it, but look what I did. Do, do you, so, okay. So the things like when you see, um, 
Picasso drawings that are three swipes of a pen. Melts my brain. Melts your brain that he can do that? Yes. Okay. Or, but, or, or that okay. he can, here's but, another one. But it takes he can in, do it with a flashlight. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. There you go. But where's the process in that? In everything that has come before it. Okay. That's okay. That's fair. So, but couldn't you say that the person who can get the shot in two frames, it's because he became so good at doing it over the course of 20 years? Absolutely. Okay. But there was still that 20 years that got him there. He didn't just pick up a brush and because it was, you know, the super new fangled whiz bang technology laden brush, he, he got this painting or because the camera figured out everything and said, Oh, here's a face. Focus on that here. Here's a leading line. Get that in there. Here is a rule of thirds line. Get that in. That's not it. Right. It's everything that led you there. True. No, you're right. You know, and, and, I do love the people that come out with the amazing first novel or the brilliant first album, but chances are there was experience. There was process on some other level in their lives that led them there. There is no blank slate in my opinion. Something got you to where you are and it may be completely unrelated on the surface, but if you dig, you'll find a connection. Yeah, I think, and maybe I'm way off base. I don't know. I probably am. Man, this is a thick episode. <laughs> people like these. Another, I think people like these thick episodes. Though. We're going to get another email from Gary Yost. <laughs> He's going <laughs> to. It's going to be a very nice email. He's. A Can big I fan tell you how show. much I love that? That that. Okay, for those of you who listened last week, we 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 blew it a little on our reference about uh, the the price and the copy protection of 3D Studio Max, which was. Uh, uh, still one of one of the top 3D apps out there, uh, and and a friend of the show uh, Gary Yost, who coincidentally created <laughs> 3D <laughs> Studio Max, wrote in to correct us, which I, yes. I thought was so awesome. He did. It is so genius. So yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you, Gary. That totally made my day. Completely floored me that that that, that you would write in and 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 have anything to say to uh, a knucklehead like me. So thank you. He is the best of people. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, I think we're going to have to move the, where are we going to the next one? Cause we don't have time. Okay. We'll wanna, do that next do, time. Okay. But let's, cause we're, we're about, we're like almost an hour and 20 minutes. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about emails for a second. Then we'll get into our photographer of the week. Yes. Okay. Uh, so last week we mentioned half in jest, that somebody should make an application so when you're walking around with your phone and you see a good location, you can snap a picture and it puts it on a map for you? Yes. Okay. Apparently, these things exist. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, there's one called Map-A-Pick. I can't believe that somebody else thought of that. <laughs> I know. Who are these people? There's one called Map-A-Pick. I think it's like five bucks. Mm -hmm. It's for uh, iPhone and Android. And basically it does what we're talking about and uh, you can tag things and you could share them. Uh, and it even tells you if you go look at the location, it'll then tell you sunset and sunrise time. So you could figure out golden hour. Oh, look at that. Okay. For the location. So if you're like, oh man, we should go shoot at that place today that I found six months ago. You can look and be like, oh shoot, it's going to be dark by the time we get there, uh, which is kind of crazy. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't tried it, so I'm not, this is no kind of thing, but some people said that that's a great way to do it. Uh, a couple other people wrote in saying that it's, they also use Evernote for the same kind of thing. Yeah, Evernote, I know a lot of people that use Evernote for, yeah. for a number of different things. Yeah, me too. Uh, it, it, it always, Evernote to me is a little too non-limiting. It's, in what way? Well, it's like you can put anything in there and put it, okay. it's like, and then it, at a certain point I'm just like, okay, I just want a list. You know, mm-hmm. actually I added, I added Evernote and then I actually tried What's the one you put up yesterday for a, a to-do list? Oh, Astrid. I tried, I played with Astrid yesterday and then I came to the conclusion that really all I want is a way to get to my stupid Google tasks, which ah, okay. is not very good little thing. Like they really should, you know, spend a week on it and really make it a little bit more clean and full featured and better looking. Right. Right. Like I'd love, I'd love to have it as a whole sidebar in Gmail over on the right. Just like, you know, like my task Uh, list. Their iOS Gmail app is fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. But the tasks thing, a couple of people have made little apps that log into your tasks on your Gmail app. Okay. And it's a separate application. It's a separate app. And I've added why you can't get, can you get to the tasks in their Gmail app? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. See, that's, that's what kind of gets me. So anyway, you can get to your notes, but not. Well, you yeah. understand what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. So I really just need like a simple little to-do list that's not nested 26 times. And I just need to write things down when I think of them. Uh, so I got one of those because some of these other things like Evernote and the Astrid thing that you put up, it's just like, ah, this is too complicated. Like I just want the, I want the thing that's built into the thing that I've already got, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so apparently this thing exists it's called MapaPick. There are some other ones, but this seems to be the one to go. Uh, so is it collaborative? Can you, can other people, cause that, that's kind of what I'm look, what I was talking about. Oh, is you want to make people, it like a whole, like a, a community. Yeah. People that can contribute to it because if, if you can email your never, locations to a friend. Yeah. But even that, you know, I, I want something oh, you where can, if you, I go, well, I'm going to, to LA. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, or I'm going to, uh, Livingston, Montana. Oh, well there's this great little alleyway that you can use for da 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 da. Right. You know, that, uh, I don't know that this one does it, but there might be others that do. Wait, somebody sent us in a few of them here. Uh, Gary's got that one. There's another one that's free called Scout a, uh, Shoot Local App. Uh, oh, in our world, everyone is a location scout. It's a social utility for photographers and videographers to share, shoot, discover locations. There you go. What's that one? It's called Shoot Local. Hmm, okay. Uh, but then here's the problem with that is that then everyone is taking the same pictures at the same places. Sure. See what they need to somebody okay. What they need to do is they, they, they okay. Here it is. I got it. I got it. You ready for this? I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Okay, waiting for it. So it it has to know, like if you shoot something from a similar perspective as somebody else, uh, th- then maybe it says, "Hey, did you did you mean this location? And if so, do you want to replace the pick that's associated with this location with this one, or do you want to keep the original one? Like it's an evaluative an, an evaluative thing where you can build your own library." By keeping just one of each location. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know? Yeah, maybe. But then you're replacing the other pick that might be, you know, who's to say yours is better? No, no, no. Just for you. Oh, I see. Or you could just add it to a set of locations. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, like, Like oh, here's all these different pictures of this one location so you can get a sense of what it's like. Right. You know, I, I don't see locations that often that blow me away that much, but maybe I really need to. Maybe you do. Because most of the time I'm trying to work in the space that I have. Mm -hmm. It's kind of half the fun for me. But you're right. Better way to do it. 
anyway, but like like the, the some of your December projects. You yes. know, you, you did some great location work there. Uh, you know, and then you can file that away and say, oh yeah, there's that place with the pilings where they tore the pier out. Or sure, you know, sure, sure. Yeah, that, that and that that place I didn't even have in an app. You know, See? I have an app for that. It's called my brain. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe, maybe maybe it needs to be updated. Oh, <laughs> snap. It's not available for Android. Okay. Um, you, you chose our photographer of the week, and I think it's a good one. I Yeah, I've been uh, immersing myself in the work of, of Paolo Reversi for a while now, and I, I really like what he does. Uh, I like the, the aesthetic of it. I like, I like how he gets there. I like the fact that he's using – you know, quarter second, one second, two second exposures. He's letting things go to blur and it creates visual interest. There's like a tension that it creates. Um, beautiful fashion work. Uh, I, I can't say enough about him. What do you he, think of him? Do you like him? Uh, yeah. In fact, one of his photographs I have in my, uh, his photograph of Natalia Vodvalviano or whatever her name is. Okay. The black and white with the eyes. The yeah. The amazing yeah. eyes. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have that one in my, uh, my inspiration folder as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, it's, what kind of cameras does he shoot with? He shoot with big cameras? Hasselblad. Oh, really? Okay. Is he, but he's a film guy? Uh, by and large. Yeah. Uh, still uses film, uh, or will use his Hasselblad with a, a digital back. Okay. Sure. Known to do that. Um, but, but shoots with, you know, these, these, these old school, uh, HMI hot lights. Okay. You know, yeah. So he's, not, he's not shooting strobe. He's got a very uh, he, he'll use a lot of window light, a lot of natural light, but then augmented with hot lights if need be. Well, you know what it is that he can do the uh, those kinds of lighting because he's doing such long exposures, right? And a lot of his stuff is very short depth of field, very contrasty. He also one of the things he does is works with a lot of stylists and stuff. Mm-hmm. That his stuff is very styled. Yes. Um, where a lot of what makes his pictures wonderful to me, and I'm, this isn't really, I know it's going to sound like I'm taking something away from them, but I'm not, is th- the models and the look of them, you know, that these, he's, I often say that, that fashion photography is easy because you have these beautiful people in beautiful clothes with beautiful makeup. How can you go wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he is one of the fashion photographers out there that is actually adding something of his own look to what otherwise can be considered, you know, lookbook kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think his stuff is, you know, he, he, he runs the gamut from the simple portraits of, uh, uh, Natalia that you mentioned yeah. that are, that are just eyes, hair and, and tone. I mean, there, there's just, yeah. there's a tone to them yeah. that I, I don't know how else to describe it at the moment. They're, they're just gorgeous. And he can go all the way up to these, these sort of snow-laden, high-fashion, very, very stylized shoots and everything in between. Yep. And, and to me, that, that speaks to not only a depth of experience, but a breadth of experience that he's bringing to his work. Man, the pictures he took here of Gemma Ward, and she is so weird looking. I'm going to put this page in, uh, in the show notes. Um, Oh, she's, yeah, she's got a very unique look. Yeah, she totally does. And, and she's got great eyes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but she can almost look like a doll. Yes. And in some of these pictures she does in fact look like a doll. 
Mm-hmm. And each, you know, there's uh, how many pictures are on this page? There's a, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's a dozen, fifteen pictures on here, and they all look completely different. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. You same know, girl. Same girl. Probably same day. Uh, black and white color, different lighting. Not worried about her skin going green in this picture. That's okay because you know that that I think that's the other thing we tend to do in digital and i'm definitely it's that photography is an interpretation Mm -hmm. and as such you know our our tones are not always the same as reality so why do the colors have to be but i feel like in a lot of times in the modern world especially with digital there's this argument that says if i don't color correct her skin to be real or true mm-hmm. to life, mm-hmm. that people are going to look and think that I don't have the skill to get it correct. Right. You know. Which I think that's, I mean, I don't think, I know. That's one of the things that I love about his work is, is you could tear this down if you wanted to for not being sharp, yep. not being color balanced, not being, you know, X, Y, Z. But on the other hand, you could celebrate it for those very same reasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm gonna. I'm, you know what? My new limitation. Hit me. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna do. Uh, what is it? It's January, right? It is January. It's January fifteenth. Uh, January fifteenth. Right. I'm gonna start taking pictures for the next month. My personal work's only going to be with a long lens. You're 85. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to shoot every day, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try that. Okay. Um. Because, man, it's. It, uh, there's something interesting about the uh, I'm so used to just encroaching having having my having the environment be a player in my images that mm-hmm. sometimes maybe my images rely on that rely on the environment yeah okay so that, the, the that environment my, becomes a character of your photograph yes and that's my crutch okay this will be interesting yeah, you know, I wonder if he okay, like that picture you just sent me, this Vera Wang thing, almost painterly. Yeah, isn't put, it? put that put that in the show notes. Okay, because I mean, look, I can get Boca like that, but not quite like that, even with my glass. You know, uh, you know. So how much be, is in post? Okay, this may be. He shoots a lot with an eight by ten camera too. Okay, lot. that's what I was gonna say. So th- this this looks very shallow and apparently is is a monster at at setup quickly almost like you know you, you've talked about shoots, Abaddon shoots how, an eight by ten like it's a small camera exactly yeah and just the way he he sort of manhandles it into where he wants it to be where he needs it to be to get amazing work like this yeah 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 oh that's see this man we you know we do this show and a lot of times we're talking about photographers that you and I have looked at a hundred thousand times. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times we're looking at photographers just because, you know, just somebody new or somebody different. And this is maddeningly inspiring for me right now. Absolutely. I need to find some really hot girls. <laughs> Great. That's cause that's what it's about. Well, you know what? Look at these pictures. It's all about yeah. really hot girls. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in, with regard to <laughs> Reversi, yeah, a lot of his you, work you, is beautiful girls. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of what you, you can get. Okay, you know what it is? His limitations are not the women. 
He's right. he's he's cut the subject out of the problem area. But you know, I So so then he can do all these crazy things that he can do knowing that the picture's always going to have that going for it. You know, I think it goes whatever. beyond that. Okay. I really do. I, I think it's it's yes, they are many of them are beautiful, but more than that, I think they're just interesting. No, they are beautiful and they are interesting. I guess my my point being is that the the, the that, that that he's starting with a foundation of beauty. Okay. That he's okay. then playing sure. with like clay. Sure. You know, and he can actually even give up some of the perfection with the, the out of focus and all this kind of stuff and still end up with something that is tragically beautiful because it was so beautiful to begin with. He can throw okay. a little bit of it away because it's still good at 90%. I, sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. What do, uh, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they find us? Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yep. That's a good way. The show notes are at ontakingpictures.com slash podcast. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Bill Wadman. And, and I am at Jeffrey Sidoris. J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. That's right. And uh, what's our phone number? Our phone number is, uh, where is it? Here it is, 347-687-9411. 347-687-9411. Leave a voicemail, ask some questions, or just say hey. Yep. And you can get a hold of us that way. Uh, And uh, thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Yep. And Uh, thanks to you guys for listening, really. And uh, we will see you next week when we will have a whole other raft of things to (laughs) blubber about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is a big one. Are you going to say when we finish this up, are you going to say, that's my favorite yet? It's one of my favorites. Uh, is it is it really long? Because I, I don't want to make that. No, the we're, norm. We're, we are we are at almost exactly one hour and thirty minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was fun. That's a good one, right? <laughs> that was fun. That's where I'll end the show. <laughs> uh,